listening to Let's Think On It, featuring Dr. Mark Westfall. Welcome back to Let's Think On It. We've got Natalie Davis, political science professor from Birmingham Southern, my two co-thinkers, Haley Ingram and Jeff Thomas. We're talking about politics in general and some of the psychology behind it. Um, we left the last segment talking about the two-party system and how you said it's really kind of acting like a parliamentary system, which is what they have in Britain, and we talked about that with Dr. Shepard podcast before last. And so what do you mean by that? Why are they... How are they acting like a parliamentary system and not negotiating with each other, the Democrats and Republicans? How has that changed in the 40 years you've been watching? The, what we've seen is the decline of moderate politics. And if you have all of the votes, a majority, and, and in our case, uh, a very strong Republican majority in the House, um, and not so strong a majority in the Senate, but that's another question because they've gone to this 60-vote rule. Um, uh, they can win every time. So you never have to consider what, what the minority party wants. So now, that's the way a parliamentary system is designed to operate because it, if you're a citizen in, uh, uh, in uh, of the U.K., um, first of all, there are no primaries. The selection of candidates is, 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 is an insider thing. Party councils decide who gets to run. And if you've been a pain in the neck before to the prime minister or to the leadership of your party, you're probably not going to get on the ballot the next time. So that enforces a kind of party discipline. And, and so, um, but if you're a voter, you don't care. Because you know that if your party gets in, one, two, three, four, five, six things are going to happen. They said so in their platform. Uh, and so party government is the rule of the day. Now, you said before... Um, Talking to Jeff. Jeff, I'm sorry. Uh, you said before you vote the man and not the party. Which I think is baloney, but go ahead. Uh, keep, that, keep that thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when's the last Democrat you voted for? Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah, 1996. Yeah. Yeah, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> Y'all hadn't put anybody up worth of crap since then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I, no. uh, where were we? Um, uh, we have always had that sense that the character, the the, the, our, our sense of who that person is, is who I want to govern. Po pol policies come and go, right? But what I want is, is a, a, a person I can trust to do the right thing. Um, and I really want that person to think like I do. That's all, also part of our equation. Right, that's true. But um, so that party politics is 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 part of our socialization process is just that I vote the man not the party and and uh, uh, party government is not something we sign on to easily but that's pretty much what we have so now we've never taken Americans don't take party platforms very seriously you ever go back to the text oh you said you know yeah, no we don't do that 
Well, I think that's what they do of, in parliamentary systems. <clears throat> well, I, I think what's going on right now, the reason they like Bernie, <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of us like Trump is because they seem like real people. Mm-hmm. They're not going by the party lines. I mean, Bernie's way out there, but he's a very likable guy. You believe what he says. Trump, even though you may not like him, you believe what he says. You believe he's going to do, try to do what he, he wants to do. And, and regardless of the, the party, right? And Because uh, I think Trump's talking about things now that are democratic, you know? And I have, I'm, I'm glad about that. Uh, but, you know, the guys, the Hillary's of the world um, that just kind of toe the party line all the time, and you just don't trust them, it's hard to vote for those folks. It just It's very difficult for me. Obama was that. Obama I felt like he was just saying whatever he could say to get elected. And and he did. I mean, most people are listening for a little nugget in there, and if they, they provide them a nugget that they like, then they, they say, okay, he's my guy. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the way I feel about it anyway. Any thoughts, Haley, on the Bernie side? Why is Bernie appealing to you? So a few <clears> things, <throat> like what Jeff was saying. Um, I can. I feel like Bernie seems very authentic. I'd say whenever we had, whenever he came to Birmingham, I was outside with like, say like a hundred other people, and Bernie like came outside very close to us and talked to us for like twenty minutes, just because he knew we were standing outside and couldn't go inside. And I like, you know his stress on, you know, not specifically taking, taking away from the 1%, but having a more equal spread of wealth amongst everyone. And, you know, I know nothing is free. Free college isn't really free. Free healthcare isn't really free. But I also think whoever would be leading with Bernie would also, like, there would be some push and pull there. So I think... You think he'd be restrained a little bit? I think he would be restrained a little bit. But I think the, you know... Because we are drawn to base instincts, you know, Bernie is drawing at our emotions, the needs of the working poor, the average person. And it, you know, it makes me feel good, just being honest. Um, But also, oh, I was going to say something. Well, while you're thinking about it, it, it's interesting that you're, the thing you're pointing out about Bernie, and we talked before about hates different the balances of liberal and conservative thinking. Um, Bernie does play to some of the basic fairness and no harm to others, which is very high on the liberal side of things from a morality standpoint. And Trump plays to the, um, the, the more law and order side of the Republicans. You know, we're going to protect the borders, we've got, you know, lawlessness. Business side, too. Right? Which is all that kind of political, you know, that... that Republican extremism and Democratic extremism, he they're both appealing to the basic, you know, tenets of what makes someone Republican or Democrat. But there's a large part of the, part of the population that Dr. Davis mentioned, a lot of us are kind of just slightly left of center mm-hmm. or slightly right of center. And there's not a candidate available. You take Kim, uh, Kim, uh, Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine is a Catholic has a very traditional notion about abortion. Um, but he did uh, support um, uh, parental um, 
parental what? You know. You know what I'm saying. Pro choice. No, no. Um, Contraception. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure he supports contraception. As a public policy matter, uh, even though his, his, his religious views are quite within the tradition of the Catholic Church, uh, he is pro-choice, but parental notification is something he thought uh, might be okay. Now, most people are like that. They're not 100% pro-choice, and they're not 100% uh, pro-life, if I can use that term. You know, they say, well, I'm against abortion, but I guess, it, it, you know, I want to look at the health and welfare of the mother. Uh, I am uh, I am absolutely, you know, uh, pro-choice, but maybe a waiting period is not such a bad idea. And so we, we're, we're conflicted on these issues, but the folks who argue them are not. I mean, they're not. They're, they're it's 100% the or nothing. Right. NRA, 100% or nothing. Right. Uh, but I wanted to go back to, uh, you said, uh, you know, I don't really think we're going to get free college if we had Bernie. Right. right. I, well, it's free is not free. Right. That's, right. And there's a lot of countries that and do have free college, but those countries also have lower um, college Admissions, well, they tax the heck and out they of tax the heck out yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. you're paying, yeah. it's and, you're paying for it. And you're paying for it. Do you do you really believe that that Trump's going to build a wall? Talking to Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. I'm sorry. There's a piece on me that does believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to win, win, win. We'll be so tired of winning. You'll say, "Stop, Mr. Trump." Well, uh, I don't want to win anymore. I, I do believe he's going to negotiate everything that comes along. So, so my point is yes. not about the issues. My point is we look past the, the hyperbole of mm -hmm. both of these guys because they do fit into our mindset of what we want to well, see well, we help, in we, a we president. We make them fit in our mindset. But that's the other well, thing. Yeah. Oh, well, that's you, what Jeff said. He it, said, you know, I, I find that little tidbit. And I, I generalize, well, he'll be good because he's going to do that one right, thing. Yeah, right. He'll be good or she'll be good because she's going right. to do this one thing. I mean, and they've done, you know, sociology studies of, of um, I'm going to butcher this because I haven't looked at it in a while, but in general, showing essentially a Republican person quotes from Republicans and Democrats and put in intentional mistakes, okay, something they didn't say, and they will rationalize how that makes sense to them uh, because it's if it's a Republican. If it's a Democratic, they will, the same statement, they will then reject. And so you tend to color what you're hearing mm, sure. based on what you want to hear. I mean, you have trouble, you know, f truly filtering out what the person's saying. It's hard to just hear it without knowing where they're coming from and wanting them to say what you want them to say. Just like memory reconsolidation. Yes, we, we remember things differently than they actually happen. I mean, it's, it's difficult to to truly have a video memory of any event that happened. You're going to have your own color of what happened. And if you go too far, you're Brian Williams. <laughs> <laughs> or Hillary. <laughs> she got shot at somewhere, too, didn't she? Yeah, that's right. But, um, oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. we're blanking on Brian Williams. He's the one that said he got Oh, yeah, he was in the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But you know, from the other point of view, a politician understands that. Maybe not. Maybe he hadn't read any, or she hadn't read any sociology. But that's where the word spin comes from. You know? Right. Uh, using language to manipulate you into into a particular posi- position. And the truth is, a successful, I don't care whether you're a business person or a college professor or um, a politician, we all use spin. We all try to fashion our language in such a way to get you to think the way we'd like you to think. Yeah. Well, from a psychiatry standpoint... Everything we talk about, I'm always trying to. I always see it in terms of human behavior, group dynamics, and that kind of thing. I mean, everything we talk about, it, it's colored with my education training up from that perspective. I, I can't see it from any other perspective. You know, it, it just it falls into that category. I start to seeing how people act and behave and think, hmm, that's interesting. It's based on this or that. So <laughs> you're right. I mean, we all have our perspectives and we see the world from that perspective. And what I think. Um, I liked about the back to Jonathan Haidt for a second his TED talk at the end he, he comes down to saying you know ultimately he talks about the Democrat and li- the liberal and Republican traits and your morals and where they stand he said ultimately we need both of those we need all of those thoughts all of those uh, range of ideas but what we've lost is ability to to listen and understand where the other person is coming from. Mm-hmm. In, other part, in other words, we're trying, we think we're right and the other side's wrong as opposed to we have one viewpoint and they see it from a different viewpoint because they value things differently. It's not right or wrong. And so getting back to what you said earlier is that we don't have this across-the-aisle discussion anymore because they don't need it because they've got enough people to make their own vote. And they think they're right. Not that your the other vi- opinion doesn't matter anymore. And that, to me, that's what scares me the most about our current political system is that people don't listen to the other side and learn from each other and come up with something that's that's more of a compromise. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm worried that, that we're really in a well, direction that's not a good direction. This morning on uh, Morning Joe, uh uh, the vice president was on, and he talked about this whole issue. That uh, first of all, members of Congress, and he was talking about his Senate career. Uh, you know, more recently, in the last five to ten years, they really only work three days a week, and they go home to their districts or their states and make speeches and all this kind of stuff. And he said it used to be they stayed all week or the weekend and you know you'd go out to dinner he talked about the senate dining room and I have had I recall having lunch in the senate dining room many times when I was an intern and visits where I knew the senator and so on he said that's not that doesn't even exist anymore there is no well, social there's, interaction there's, there's no so the kids no. the kids the families that with children uh, don't live in DC they live back in the district or the state and so the kids are not in school together, so that doesn't bring the parents together for soccer games and so on. So they've lost that. It's, he said it's pretty hard to be nasty to someone that you had lunch with yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. But they don't have lunch anymore. Now, Haight mentioned that in his in, in a separate um, talk he was giving. Was that intentional? Was there an intent to changing the rules on how 
how long they stayed in D.C.? Was there, was there, was there a party drive to say, look, we really want to isolate ourselves and not have that time together? I mean, what, what led to no, that No, I, think, that I think they just developed, particularly on the House side, these, these work week things. And I think it started under um, uh, I want to say Denny Hastert, who's now in prison. Uh, uh, and I think Pelosi brought them back to longer work weeks. Um, and so Tim Kaine is apparently a guy that is really liked by everyone. Uh, and Biden was the same way. And there's a little bit more comedy in the, in the Senate than the House, but these guys really just don't like each other, don't talk to each other. That is terrible. It's awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it, that's a bad way to do business, period, right? You know, you got to build relationships mm -hmm. to build. Well, I mean, look at Christie. So. He hugs the president. Uh, uh, yeah. After the the, the and, and caught all kind Sandy. of crap for it, and you know he's been in that hole and he's just sort of gotten out of it. Uh, yeah. When he went after uh, Hillary, uh, that's just it's just absurd. I mean, they're Americans going to a catastrophe. You know, I mean, that's what you would expect. And right, and right, and right. Uh, the guy who was governor uh, Christie, uh, uh, Christ in Florida. He also uh, was very appreciative of Obama during a hurricane thing, and he got defeated by uh, Rick Scott. As a result of as the Obama, they that's, use the Obama thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you can't, because you get beat in your primary. You don't get beat in the general. Yeah. You get beat in your primary. Um, by someone who's more extreme. That's their issue. Right. Oh, he hugged the president. Because yeah. I think that shows, like, some type of well, weakness which, or what? You know, <laughs> I would... I see this Not again. loyal to the Republican Party or the Democratic uh, Party, whichever. Coming back to my psychiatric viewpoint, it's group dynamics again. I mean, groups tend to, when there's an opposing group, over time they tend to become more polarized, and the people within the group tend to become more polarized if they stay within the group, and that's that's what's happening. And so, you know, it's it's kind of a, the, the cycle of how things work in the group dynamic system. And so what what needs to happen, I say needs to happen, what can happen, is you can have a leader within that group step up and with a new idea that's popular enough to to essentially fracture the group and lead them in a different direction. Now currently we're seeing that I think with Trump, I would say, I mean he clearly was is fracturing the Republican Party. Um, I don't know personally that he's fracturing it in a direction that I want it to see fractured. In other words, he think he's a little bit more extremist and not coming back to center. Although some of the stuff, he, sometimes he does come back to center. And I don't know that he even knows where he is. I think he's got a little ADD, honestly. Well, I mean, but, you're a psychiatrist. Do you not think this guy is nuts? Well, he is definitely narcissistic, in my opinion. I mean, I've never evaluated him, obviously, but... But watching him, he is clearly has a narcissistic personality disorder. Um, the my and but my concern is is that he also is he says whatever riles people up. And yeah, he's got and a showtime I, side. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got a stage well, side. That's, he's got that's been the created by the media. And, and he, I'd be scared about who's going to be in pointed to the judicial system. Who's going to be making these decisions that's like if he's president? My, my only 
hope is is. I mean, I, I think. I, by I, the way, I think anybody who's a president has got some kind of wacko side to them. Oh, yeah. well, there's definitely and, you and have to have some narcissism, the, or you couldn't go to work. You know, there've been enough psychoanalytic studies of leadership to say that just about anybody who makes it uh, is is it, has this need for applause. Has, you know. Uh, you know, maybe da Daddy didn't love him, or something, or Mommy didn't love him, and and uh, and so there's this constant need to be. Um, well, if you've ever had to give a a serious pitch, you know, teaching's one thing; you have to get up for that too. But to give a pitch where you have to sell an idea, you become something that you aren't normally. Mm -hmm. Okay. And good sales guys are just that, right? They are that all the time. But, you know, most of us have to become something we aren't. And I believe Trump has that side to him. He's got a sales pitch side, and that's what you see. And the media loves it, so he stays after it, and he just kind of has now created this persona that he's got to keep, you know, carrying forward. Of course, he's had it for years. It's not just coming with his presidency. Right, the apprentice and all those things. Oh, yeah, gosh. you know, you're fired and all that stuff. So it's, right. it's kind of been carried forward with that but you know it's, he's kind of like the what Clinton said about uh, or what Bill said about Hillary I mean it, he talked about it what seemed like a very soft side of Hillary right mm -hmm. you kind of did feel like okay you know maybe there is a soft side of her his family talks about the same thing on him so the, you know there's got to be one you know yeah. they, they don't hate him yeah well know. his family dynamics are also disturbing well my main concern with him, and this is about group dynamics, is that he tends to polarize, and that's concerning. Yeah, yeah. He tends to point out differences and create an in-group and an out-group, and then ostracize the out-group, and that's my main concern with him. It's very polarizing, and people within the in-group don't realize they're being led to an extreme and so then he starts saying things that no one would have said before about other races certainly not running for president and but they accept it because now they're in the in group and so they they look past it and i'm afraid that that is a really dangerous direction for a political party um and so that that concerns me um but you know i'm also concerned about the you know the the problems that Hillary's had with her, you know, the, the, the whole, how she handled the whole email situation um, and, you know, her decision-making on that and her honesty about that. Um, so, you know, there's, there are issues on both sides. Um, but I, I'm, I'm more concerned, I think, with the black box unknown, where would Trump lead us with some of that, that real diversity that he seems to engender? And our country's already angry. And if you put angry and op, you know opposing groups together, you're going to get some serious conflict. And I think that would be what we would see under that presidency. I, it's just my personal opinion. Um, so that that worries me. Could I? Yeah. Um, People decide they hate him. That's for sure. Well, or he or, hates them. Or one or, or the other. Right. Or, or even even if you just say something against him, I mean, you get punched in the face. Yeah. Just for opposing, I mean that's that's a problem. That's that's kind of a authoritarianism yeah, he's, he's society. Put, he's putting people in positions that they've never been in. You know, when he's you know Jeb Bush has never been punched in the face before. I don't think ever. 
you know, he seems like a genuinely good guy, right? But he got punched. Yeah, yeah, he got punched in the face, and he didn't know it, what to do. He didn't know what to do. And I don't. I don't think many politicians do. You know, because they're so used. To, I don't know. You're around it a lot more than I am, but they they seem like they they find a way to always say something nice about the other well, that's person. That's part of our, right? our our process. Yeah, I mean, we it used to know, be part of our process. You know, Ted Kennedy said the honorable uh, my my friend from the great state of South Carolina, Strom Thurmond. He yeah. he wouldn't you know he'd spit on Strom Thurmond in real life, but yeah. that's that's the way in which we talk to each other. So when yeah. that guy, who was from South Carolina. Uh, during uh, Obama's State of the Union, the very first one or the second one, yells out, you lied. That's the first time we heard anything like that on the floor of the House. Oh. Ever. Oh. That's not what you say to a president or to each yeah. other. Uh, it falls outside the rules, you know. Uh, Joe, yeah. I can't think of his last name. but yeah. It's, it's uh, that, the coarsening of our language. Yeah. In fact, I, I've, been, I've been struck by, um, in this election... And I guess it's more Trump than the others, but to call people uh, Lion Ted. Oh, Crooked uh, Hillary. Crooked Hillary. He even called her Dirty Crooked Hillary. I mean, come on. Do yeah. we really do that in America? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, do now. Well, that's we do wrong. Now. Where do you think we're headed? Well, I think we're not... Very good places. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not. I, I, uh, I'm not real optimistic in the short term, uh, and I don't mean just the election. I think it's going to take a long time to sort out. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, the system has to break before we'll do something about it." Is it just the money? No, I don't think it's just the money. Um, you know, Hillary's got more money than any candidate will ever see. She's been running ads like crazy in battleground states, and her numbers haven't moved. So there may be a kind of, um, and if Citizens United were to get uh, overturned, uh, that will change that, but... Um, What's that? The Citizens United decision? Yeah, I don't know. Which created super PACs, which said uh, that corporations are people, too. Uh, so, so you can spend as much money as you want. So that may be overturned, you think? Well, I mean, that's one Before of the issues that. for a new Supreme Court. If if she gets elected, they'll have five votes, and another, and they'll get a case to come through, challenging it again. Which side would be more pro turning that over? Oh, the, the Democrats. Democrats side. Okay. Um, I mean, both sides benefit from it. Yeah, right? but not the way the Republicans do. Okay. But mm. and it was a five-four decision, so. Um, but it is a, it will make a difference who's on the court on just about every important issue that that will make its way to the court, um, and so that that's really what's up for grabs now. Well, where, where do you stand on political correctness? Do you do, did you like the way it was, or do you do you believe we need to be less politically correct with all that we do and say? You know. I, I guess I'm uh, more, I think that you can go too far. There's no question about that. Right. Um, you mean too far being too politically Yeah, correct? I think. Yeah. But I don't think you back away from it completely, which is what Trump has done. I mean, 
it's it's pretty awful what he said about Mexicans and and uh, and and and, and um, immigrants and so on. I I just don't get that. Why do you have to be so damn mean? And the interesting thing is, we talked earlier, Jeff, about the cognitive kind of the 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 you know. Republicans aren't as emotional, but Trump is actually resonating with an emotional part of Republicans. Mm -hmm. The anger, um, you know, isolative kind of of nationalistic side, and he's really, when he's using those derogatory terms, he's getting people riled up to say, yeah, they are coming in, and they're raping us, and they're bringing in drugs, and, oh, and with a generalization that's, that is really resonating more with emotions than, you know, any cognitive substance. So it's interesting that, and I think that's why the, the, the Republican Party's getting fractured, is because they're like, this is, we've never, this is like off the rails even for, for our, this is not how we normally think. Um, and so I think people are attracted to his business side. They think he's a good businessman, although I honestly personally wonder, I mean, if you go through that many bankruptcies, he knows how to use a system. I don't know if that makes him a good businessman. And but people are attracted to that because he's been you know he's a billionaire so they think he's going to be a tough negotiator for the country and I think we've made more tough negotiation I, I don't like the the lack of some financial responsibility on the Democratic side that's that's the thing I don't like about the Democrats but I think that his um, his he's resonating with a part of the Dem Republican Party that is um, really kind of harkens back to the Democrats who left the Democratic Party in the 60s on racial reasons. I mean, I understand this, I think, you know more about this than I do, Dr. Davis. There was, a, I mean, the South left the Democratic Party on racial lines and became Republican largely over, over that as much as anything. And so you've got these people who are really emotionally charged that, that aren't as, aren't using their, their thought process on this as much as their emotions on on both sides now, the Bernies and the Trumps are really emotionally driven followers. Well, part of the Trump thing is that I, I believe that he is saying things out loud that people are thinking and would never say. But that's awful that people would think things like I, that. But they think it. I agree, but they think it. I agree totally. He is saying things <laughs> that people they think. It. That people think. Well, well, but I hear you say it's awful, Haley. But it's important to understand that some people think that. Oh, yeah, I know people think that. And so, to, to under, I mean, I, I agree. He is saying things that people think but are afraid to say. But I, I think he's... But that doesn't make it right I to agree. say. Right. right. Uh, well, Why should you encourage people to think in that way? Or to act without tact. What, what he's doing is giving them a voice. And, and that's why they're like, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's well, right. Okay. No, that, don't, don't, isn't don't the whole issue that. of political correctness about whether something is really right or not? Uh, I, I had a, I saw a comedian in New York, uh, Colin, Colin. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, who does a, does a one man show on his the history of New York, and he takes you through all of the ethnic groups that arrived in New York, and the Irish hated the, the Italians, and uh, the Chinese hated, and everybody hated the Jews, and. And and it's it's hysterical because he he, he it, it is an indictment of political correctness, right. and uh, it, it really is quite funny. And he said, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, there was a 
as far as the Lower East Side is concerned, it was barren territory. And uh, the Jewish community wanted to buy it up. And, uh, and whoever owned the land didn't want to sell the Jews. And he said, you know, this is just too complicated. You'd have to have an accountant and a lawyer. And the, the guy who's trying to buy the property said, I got accountants, I got lawyers. Well, all right, that's a stereotype of the Jewish community in New York. And he went through every community the same way. And he said, but that's who we are, and we understand that, and we can say those things to each other and not really be mad. He talked about Puerto Ricans and with their heads outside the, the off the tenement buildings yelling down, bring me up some food and all that. And it just struck me in listening to him because I grew up in New York. I mean, I appreciated all of that. You couldn't say that stuff here. In, in Birmingham, Alabama, because first they wouldn't understand it all because they don't know the history, the history of all that. Not that, not that they're ignorant, but uh, but it doesn't have. It's not funny, but it's funny there. Um, and so there's a, there's an element of America that uh, where where we are receptive to, uh, you know, poking around and, and Polish jokes and so on. But but then you, there's an edge to it. When it gets to be the edge, you have to stop. Yeah. Well, he's definitely. Stand on the edge. He he's over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> he, he jumped into the abyss. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, well, Dr. Davis, I really appreciate you being here. That was fun. And uh, thanks for the conversation. Jeff, Haley, as always, thanks for the conversation. And uh, tune in next time. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio. 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>